This is the Summit Life Ministries audio experience. Hey everybody, welcome to the Age Changer Show brought to you by Summit Life Ministries. My name is Dave Furl. This is my dad, Lynn Furl, also the founder of Summit Life Ministries. Our mission at Summit Life is to elevate, equip, and empower. Elevate the church's vision to see God's eternal purpose. Equip believers to live with an eternal perspective, but then also empower believers to live supernatural lifestyles in faith-filled obedience. Now, Dad, yesterday kind of did a review, getting back on this series, you know, Hell's Best Kept Secret. And just to clarify for everybody, when we talk about Hell's Best Kept Secret, we're not talking about the place, Hell. We're talking about the Correct. enemy in general. Yes. We're talking about the, the powers of darkness yeah. and their strategy that they employed to try to link their fate with the fate of humanity and how that uh, Jesus came in time and space to unhinge and unlock and unravel the knot that kept us in a conjoined destiny with him. So we're going to launch right (laughs) into it because our focus in the remaining episodes where we're going to talk about this because we want to move on to some other things yeah is i want to specifically scripturally put together pieces of the puzzle that shows how jesus brought for us wrought for us this victory yeah how he set us free i want us to go immediately to galatians chapter 4 and i'm going to read a, a passage of scripture that starting in verse 4 is familiar to those of us that have been students of the Bible, but it's very descriptive. But as you read it, there is not a phrase in this passage that is not intentional by the Spirit to show you a part of the spiritual uh, paradoxes (laughs) <laughs> that existed yeah. when Christ entered into time and space. Yeah. But And so when you read this, you go, how can this be? Because it talks about the incarnation and then what Jesus did with his life before the cross. You, you look at these paradoxes, and a paradox is something that on its face, it looks like a contradiction. Yeah. But... Every line of this passage of Scripture is filled with powerful truth. And it says this, in the fullness of time, or excuse me, when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his Son. Now, the first thing that I want to say, because we just read one uh, sentence. Yeah. When the fullness of time had come, God sent for this son. We know that Jesus is eternal. He's the yeah. second person of the eternal Godhead, the divine Trinity. And John chapter 1, verse 1 says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, yeah. and the Word was God. Was God. Yeah. So there was this eternal eternal pre-existence that the Son, the living Word, had with the Father and the Holy Spirit. Yeah. 
So Jesus is the living word, but we could also call him the eternal word. Yeah. Because that's his nature. So the eternal one, the eternal word, the living word entered into time and space Mm -hmm. in the fullness, a set time, a Kairos appointed time. I just think that is that that is a uh, spiritual paradox that I go, man, that's a, a mystery. How does that happen? Yeah. How does an eternal being confine himself to the limitations of time and space? Yeah. But this is the mystery of the incarnation. So the first one says in the fullness of time, the eternal one came into what he created, a time-space dimension. But then it says that he was born of woman, born under the law. To me, there's two or three other paradoxes here. The one who was the creator Mm -hmm. became a part of his own creation. Yeah. (laughs) That's pretty interesting to think about. The eternal one became a part of time. Yeah. The creator becomes a part of creation. Yeah. Takes upon the appearance of a man, the Bible says in Philippians. Yeah. So he looked like one of us yeah. entirely. He looked like a created one. Yeah. Limited to time and space, limited and subjected to all the limitations of time and space. And uh, took upon what we would consider sinful flesh. Now, he wasn't sinful, but he appeared weak, the weakness of human flesh. But he was a product of conception. Yeah. Now, it was a conception of the Holy Spirit where a part of his um, essence and nature was divine, but he also didn't just have a mere appearance of a man. He actually had a human nature. Now, we just say this. He was one person, but he had two distinct natures. He had a divine nature and a human nature. But I love this verse because it said that, he and, and Paul, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, emphasizes this that he was born of a woman. Now, we know that Satan's first conversation with mankind was not at first with Adam. No, it was with Eve. It was with Eve. So she became susceptible to this place of deception. Now, Adam was doubly responsible for what happened because he volitionally, intentionally, decided to rebel yeah. she was deceived she was open uh to satan's subjection uh suggestions and she began to doubt what god had said as as satan tried to present her with a different narrative but the very one that satan tried to to uh use as an open door to introduce deception and darkness to god says I'm going to take that which was the open door Mm -hmm. to deception and darkness 
to bring about the fall in the human race. I'm going to use this as an open door as well to not bring darkness, but to bring this uh, penetrating light, a light that, again, in the last episode we said could not be suppressed, could not be overcome. So this is Romans 8, 28 in full view, how God takes that which is wrong and he makes it right. That which Satan has meant for evil, God says, no, I'm gonna redeem it all, I'm going to retranslate it, and I'm going to remake it to where that which was used to bring destruction, I'm going to bring about my redemptive purpose. So God, God enters into time and space, the eternal one enters time and space, the creator becomes a part of his creation, and then specifically, because he could have just shown up as an adult man. Yeah. <laughs> but he wasn't. Yeah. He went through the, the process uh, where all human beings enter into this earth through a conception and a birth and through the matrix of a woman and Christ Jesus, the son of the living God, yeah. came the same way. But then it goes on to say that he he was not only born of a woman, but was born under the law. Yeah. He himself, the lawgiver, would now be subject to the very laws that he had given. Yeah. And that he would fulfill every aspect of those laws and be the the embodiment of obedience in fulfilling every one of them, every dot on every I, every T that needed to be crossed. As a human being, he was going to fully obey in a wholehearted manner every aspect and every condition of the law so that he would be the only human being in history that could be declared righteous in God's sight. Because every other human being that had ever been born after Adam, after the fall, in, in some ways, men had had certain levels of obedience, but all had fallen short of the standard of the perfection of the glory of God, except one. And in wholehearted obedience, yielding his will to the will of the Father, was able then to be declared as a righteous before God. Then it goes on to say, to redeem those who are under the law, so that we might receive then the adoption as sons And because you are sons, God has sent the spirit of his son into our hearts, crying, Abba, Father. Now, Paul writes this passage of scripture after the accomplishments of the cross, after the demonstration of the victory with the resurrection, and knowing that Jesus has ascended for purpose. He was raised on purpose unto uh, Uh, being ascended and seated and being named the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, being offered the kingdom 
by God the Father. However, there was a moment in time where men and the powers that influenced the minds of men, when God showed up in a time-space dimension, <laughs> when he became a part of his creation, when he was born in a natural birth process, and that he seemed to be just a regular man that was living under the law as a Jewish boy being raised in Jewish society, it was perplexing to certain spiritual beings, yeah. to spiritual principalities and powers, uh, the, the Satan himself, all the demonic ranks, they were perplexed by this paradox. Yeah. Now, to demonstrate that, I want us to go over to a passage of scripture in Matthew chapter eight. And, and Satan who felt that he had established an unchangeable arrangement where God could not do anything to intervene in human history to separate the fate of man uh, from Satan's destiny. And it looked like God was just willing to allow the status quo to continue. And Satan seems to be able to have rulership, a stolen authority, but a rulership over all the kingdoms of man. God shows up on the earth, (laughs) but he shows up in a way that is the paradox is perplexing to these spiritual powers. So if you go over with me to the Gospel of Matthew chapter 8, there is an interaction with uh, a legion of demons that uh, are in possession of two demoniacs. And I want us to read in verse 28. It says, "When, when he came to the other side, the other side of the lake, to the country of the Gadarenes, two demon possessed, men met him and they came out of the tombs so fierce that no one could pass by that way. So we would say these people were not oppressed by demons. They were not slightly uh, tormented by demons, but they were fully possessed, driven uh, by demonic powers. We know in other um Gospels that it it said that when Jesus interviewed or asked the the demon uh, ruler that was over all the demons, yeah. uh, the strong man we we refer to in the uh, using a biblical phrase, when he talked to the strong man, the one that was was kind of the gatekeeper of all the other demons in in these men. You know, Jesus said, "What is your name?" He said. Uh, my name is Legion, because there are many of, uh, in us. So not to stray too far away from the point that I want to make, but I just feel like knowing various uh, truths that are found in these biblical stories, we know that the term Legion was a military term used by the Roman army that reflected a size of a military unit. Yeah. Wrap your mind around this, David. A legion 
in Roman times referred to between five and 10,000 men. Wow. So these men were possessed by literally thousands of demons. Now, the scriptures do not tell us how that stronghold was established, what gateway they had opened uh, to allow that many spirits. But I will say this much. It was probably something where they were involved in some type of satanic pagan practice where they were inviting those spirits to come into them. I had a an experience the first time I went to Africa and I was preaching in a conference and the conference was attended by about 500 people each night and it was in a church but it was a larger church but in the in the back and the sides of the the building it was open to um, you know the outside there, it wasn't a firm structure yeah. where there were doors and walls, but it was kind of open air. Certain parts of it had walls, but the back was completely open. And I noticed that while I was ministering, uh, the first time I got up there, there was a young man in the courtyard of this church that the more I preached, the more he began to manifest. And I knew that he was possessed by demons. Mm-hmm. And I noticed that there were people that began to go over and begin to pray for him. And the longer I preached, and it's not because <laughs> my preaching has that effect on everybody, but on this young man, it was weird. The longer that I preached, the the severer the manifestation to finally he was laying on the ground and there were people that were gathered around him. Well, the next night that I preached, that young man was there again, and the same thing began to happen. As we began to preach and we began to pray, there was this sequence of an evolving manifestations, and instead of him being free, it seemed like the spirits in him were getting stronger because there was a greater manifestation. So I asked one of the brothers that was there, I said, I noticed that people are there, praying for this young man, but he seems to be getting worse, not better. What's the deal? What's the story? And they said, well, actually, he is what they call a human chalice. He has not come to this meeting because he wants to be set free. The believers that are praying for him are actually binding the spirits that are in him to where they do not get out of control. But human chalices come to gospel preaching, gospel believing, gospel demonstrating meetings because they know that when the gospel is preached, spirits within people are evicted by the truth that is being declared and by the prayers that are being prayed. And he is here to become a receiver and a receptacle of the spirits that are leaving people. Wow. Now, when I heard that, it was like, oh my goodness. I did not know that such a thing existed. But he yeah. said, these individuals want the, the demonic power in them to only increase so that they can uh, you know, be more powerful and have a greater power, demonic power, to yeah. them. 
Uh, and so they invite, they're there to spiritually open the gate wide and to say whatever is being exercised through the preaching of the word and prayer uh, and, and, and the conducting of gospel ministry, they're there to receive what is being broken off of people. Wow. So I can only imagine that these individuals had opened up themselves so they could feel more spiritually powerful. Yeah. But let me conclude here, and then we'll pick this up in the next episode. It said, the men met him, these two demoniacs met him, coming out of the tombs. They were so fierce that no one could pass by that way. And behold, when they saw Jesus, they cried out. And there was a spiritual recognition. They said, what have we, what have you to do with us, O Son of God? And let me read the next verse or the next sentence, and we'll leave it there. Have you come here to torment us before our time? (laughs) So the paradox, the mystery of the incarnate Christ being in time and space and and in being in the flesh as a part of his creation took them back with great alarm. And we'll pick up next time why that's important. (laughs) Wow. Well, guys, that's all we got for today. Thank you for being with us. If you guys have any comments or questions about today's episode, make sure you put them in the comment section below. We want to hear from you. Guys, if you want to just know more about Summit Life Ministries and what we're doing, make sure to visit us at summitlifeministries.com. And then also follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and subscribe to us on YouTube. Guys, we again appreciate you being with us today. We love you guys and God bless. Bless you. What's up, everybody? This is Josh Furrow from the Summit Life Ministries team. I just wanted to thank you for tuning in to the podcast. Make sure you subscribe, leave us a review, and have a blessed week.